Hello, my friends. Welcome to Help Me Think. I'm your host, Starla West. Throughout my years as an executive coach, I've had the opportunity to observe how successful executives approach challenges and decision-making. To share those insights with you, I created Help Me Think, where we dive into the world of mental models and practical strategies to empower you to think critically, make sound decisions, and achieve your desired results. Today, in this episode of Help Me Think, we demystify the best practices of team decision-making. I'll walk you through five practical approaches for making decisions as a team, and I'll explain when and how to use each method. But before we jump into this valuable content, let's take a quick moment to thank our title sponsor, Business Furniture. Help Me Think is sponsored by Business Furniture, a 100-year-old organization focusing on innovation since 1922. That's right. You heard me correctly. Business Furniture just celebrated its 100th anniversary of creating spaces where people can work better, learn better, and feel better. They truly are the experts when it comes to creating spaces where employees can show up and do their best thinking and best work. As you all know, hybrid work has gone mainstream, and it's one of the biggest economic and cultural changes facing leaders today. Most organizations that choose hybrid work are trying to offer a balance between the flexibility that people want and the need to bring employees together to foster collaboration and innovation. And these guys know how to do it. So let Business Furniture help build a sense of community for your company. Check them out at businessfurniture.net. And now, back to our episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Help Me Think, where we're all about empowering you with valuable insights and strategies to navigate the ever-evolving landscape of leadership and teamwork. If you've ever wondered how to lead your team to smarter, more effective decisions, you're in the right place. In today's episode, we're diving deep into the art of team decision-making. We uncover five invaluable approaches and explore when and how to use them to elevate your team's decision-making game. Over the years, I've watched countless teams face the challenge of making important decisions together, and one of the most common mistakes I've seen them make is not clarifying how a decision will be made at the outset. And when a team embarks on a decision-making journey without clarifying the process at the beginning, including how the decision will be made, They expose themselves to a myriad of risks. First and foremost, a lack of clarity can lead to confusion and frustration, as everyone might have different expectations about their role and the decision-making dynamics. This confusion can slow down the entire process, erode trust, and hinder effective communication. Moreover, when the decision-making process remains undefined, there's a higher likelihood of biases, power struggles, and hidden agendas that can influence the outcome and result in suboptimal or even disastrous choices. Ultimately, the absence of a clear decision-making framework not only jeopardizes the quality of the decision itself, but it also threatens the cohesion and effectiveness of the entire team. And guys, those are just a few of the risks of not establishing a transparent decision-making process. 
There are others, but right now what I'd like to do is turn our attention to the five methods for team decision-making. Let's dive in to explore their advantages and discuss when they're the ideal choice for achieving the best outcomes in your team's decision-making endeavors. As always, there's a free quick reference guide for this episode that you can use to follow along. To grab your free copy, visit starlawest.com forward slash podcast. You'll find a link to download it in the show notes for this episode. Let's get after it. Our first approach to team decision-making is the sole authority method. I think you're going to find it's a straightforward and efficient way to reach decisions. In this approach, a designated individual with the required responsibility, authority, or expertise takes the lead and makes the decision without engaging the entire team in the process. This sole authority method is particularly advantageous when time is of the essence and a quick decision is essential. And it works exceptionally well for simple, routine, or administrative matters that don't require extensive deliberation. Likewise, when a decision hinges on specific expertise, the sole authority approach ensures that the most knowledgeable person is in charge and drives the decision-making. This is why I said it's a pretty straightforward and efficient approach for making decisions Because one person makes the decision for the entire team, and it's the person with the required responsibility, authority, or expertise. However, it's crucial to note that this approach is most effective when team commitment and involvement in the decision are low, as it certainly does not foster a collaborative decision-making environment. Now, let's dive into the second approach for team decision-making, the consult method. Imagine this as the sweet spot between a fully autonomous decision, like sole authority, and group consensus. In the consult approach, the team takes time to gather valuable input and insight from its members. But when it comes down to making the actual decision, it falls on one person or a small subset of the team. This method strikes a balance, allowing for robust discussions and diverse perspectives, while acknowledging that group consensus may not be necessary for the decision at hand and will likely take too long anyways. So obviously, the consult approach is particularly handy when there's enough time for team discussion so that you can tap into your team's collective wisdom, but there isn't enough time to risk getting bogged down with the process of reaching consensus. Now, it's also essential to note that the consult approach, with this approach, ultimate responsibility and ownership of the decision should be clear and defined, especially in situations where accountability matters. Additionally, the consult method works well when team commitment to support the decision falls into the moderate range, meaning that there is agreement within the team, but not necessarily unanimity. So that's the consult method. Now, let's move on to the majority rule approach, which adds a democratic flair to decision-making. Imagine it as the equivalent of taking a vote after robust team discussion. In this method, everyone on the team has their say, and then a previously agreed-upon majority percentage determines the final decision. Majority rule is a fantastic option 
when time constraints prevent a lengthy consensus building process, and it is efficient because it allows for a clear decision to be reached without prolonged debates. Now, it is important to note that this method only thrives in situations where there is a shared commitment within the team to support the voting process and a collective willingness to stand behind the majority's decision. Now, I'm going to say that again because the effectiveness of this approach is at risk when that doesn't exist. Majority rule thrives in situations where there's a shared commitment within the team to support the voting process with a collective willingness to stand behind the majority's decision. Moreover, majority rule works particularly well when team commitment to support the decision is moderate to high, as it offers a transparent way to reach a decision that most team members can stand behind. It's a democratic approach that values the input of each team member while ensuring that the final decision reflects the will of the majority. So there you have it, our first three methods for team decision-making, only two more to go. Now, I hope you're finding these methods pretty straightforward because, well, they are. Now, let's explore the consensus approach, often seen as the gold standard of team decision-making. Think of it as the method that aims for full agreement and harmony within the team. In this approach, the team engages in thorough discussion and debate, working together to develop a decision that every team member actively supports or, at the very least, can live with. Consensus is the ideal choice when you have the luxury of time to allow for a comprehensive decision-making process. It is best when the decision at hand involves high stakes and complex issues where expertise and multiple perspectives are essential for making an informed choice. This method thrives when team members are emotionally intelligent and possess exceptional communication skills, as it requires a willingness and the ability of team members to suspend their egos actively listen, and engage in transparent and robust dialogue. Now, what's crucial to note is that the consensus approach, with this approach, commitment to support the final decision is critical. It should not be about settling for a decision, which is what makes the consensus method risky. Did you hear me say earlier that with this approach, the team engages in thorough discussion and debate, working together to develop a decision that every team member actively supports, or at the very least, can live with? Therein lies the risk. Settling for a decision that everyone can live with can sometimes lead to a lowest common denominator compromise that isn't in the team's best interest. So when using this method, it's important to remember that this method is all about crafting a solution that everyone can genuinely get behind. While it may require more time and effort, when facilitated correctly, the result is a decision that fosters unity and ownership within the team. So consensus is our fourth method for team decision-making. Now, before we dive into the fifth and final approach, let's recap what we've discussed. First, we have the sole authority approach, 
which is all about efficiency and swift decision-making. It's the go-to method when you need a quick resolution, especially for straightforward or routine matters. This approach is best when the decision hinges on specific expertise, ensuring that the most knowledgeable person takes the lead. However, it's important to remember that this method is not designed to foster collaboration and is best suited when team commitment and involvement in the decision are low. Our second method is the consult method, which strikes a balance between individual decision-making and full-team consensus. It allows for thorough discussions that leverage the diverse perspectives within a team and is a smart choice when you have time for deliberation, but not enough for full consensus. It is best when clear responsibility and ownership are crucial and when team commitment to support the decision falls in the moderate range. This takes us to our third method, majority rule, which adds a democratic element to the decision-making process. It is efficient and ideal for situations where consensus is unfeasible due to time constraints. However, it thrives when there's a shared commitment within the team to support the voting process and team commitment to the decision is moderate to high. Lastly, the consensus approach is the pinnacle of collaboration, perfect for complex high-stakes decisions. It requires emotional intelligence, exceptional communication skills, and a commitment from every team member to support the final decision. Although it may demand more time and effort, it fosters unity and ownership within the team. And now we've reached our final destination, the collaborative method. This approach may be a bit more intricate than the previous four, but trust me, it's incredibly effective. So hang in there as I guide you through it. As mentioned earlier, Consensus is a noble goal, but it can be time-consuming, and if it isn't facilitated correctly, the consensus method can sometimes lead to a lowest common denominator compromise that just isn't in the team's best interest. In today's complex landscape, a more practical alternative is to blend the best aspects of the previous four methods into one powerful approach the collaborative method. What makes this method so compelling are the multiple benefits it offers. First, it ensures that key players have ample opportunities to share insights and make recommendations. This in turn increases the likelihood of full buy-in from all team members, reducing the risk of siloed decision-making. Now, the collaborative method also safeguards against impasses and stalled decisions, ensuring that progress keeps moving forward. Ultimately, it results in high-quality decisions made in a timely manner, which is a recipe for success in today's fast-paced world. So now, let's delve into the two crucial steps that make up this approach. Step one, identify who should be involved. To get started, you need to determine who should be at the decision-making table, who possesses the expertise and information needed to craft well-informed and thoroughly explored proposed solutions or courses of action. This step involves asking questions like, who will be accountable for this decision? Who will be responsible for seeing it through? Who will be directly impacted by this decision and needs to feel comfortable with it? 
whose cooperation is essential in terms of authority, influence, and implementation? And finally, how many people is it worth involving? Once you've identified the key players, the next step is to assign them clear roles and responsibilities. Who occupies which role will vary depending on the specific decision being made. And there may be times when team members take on multiple roles. So let's dig into each of these roles. There are four key roles to consider. First, we have the informants. They are your subject matter experts who provide relevant data, analysis, and critical insights. They are the individuals whose buy-in is vital because they're either going to be directly impacted by the decision or involved in its implementation. Next, we have the consultants. Now, consultants are typically an individual or a small team of individuals who collaborate with the informants. They gather the relevant facts, data, and analysis and seek input to discuss challenges, opportunities, and available options. The consultants then work together to develop a proposed solution or recommended course of action to the decision maker. And there may be times when team members take on multiple roles. So yes, sometimes your informants and consultants might in fact be the same individual. If that's a question that you're thinking right now, the answer is yes. Sometimes the informants and the consultants are the same individuals and sometimes they're not. Let's move on to the third role. The next role is the decision maker. This role belongs to the individual who is ultimately responsible and accountable for the final decision. They are the individual to whom the consultant or consultants are recommending a proposed solution or course of action. The decision maker, now this is important, the decision maker has the authority to commit resources, move the organization into action, resolve issues, and bring the decision to closure. It's important to note, however, that the decision maker can be someone other than a top leader. It can be individuals in various roles at all levels throughout the organization, depending on the project and the decision that's being made. Lastly, we have the vetoer. The vetoer role is reserved for key stakeholders who must be comfortable with the final decision before it can proceed. Typically, this includes an executive leader or the head of a business unit or function whose operations will be significantly affected by the decision. Now, it's important to note that veto power is used sparingly and only when absolutely necessary. If a vetoer exercises their power, it triggers a discourse between the vetoer and the consultants who must work together to develop a modified proposal. If this process takes too long or reaches an impasse, the decision is then escalated to the decision maker for resolution. The collaborative method empowers teams to make well-informed, balanced decisions that take into account expertise, insights, and the need for buy-in from all involved parties. It's a comprehensive approach that ensures decisions are both inclusive and actionable, making it a valuable addition to your decision-making toolkit. So to recap, let's go back over this again, just to make sure it's abundantly clear. The first step is to identify who should be involved. This initial step is all about assembling the right team for the task at hand. It's essential to determine who should participate in the decision-making process based on their expertise and relevance to the issue. This step also takes into account 
whose cooperation in terms of authority and influence is essential to the success of the decision. The key here is to involve the right people and not overwhelm the process with unnecessary participants. Once the decision-making team is assembled, the next step is to assign clear roles and responsibilities to our team members. There are four primary roles to consider. First, we have the informants. These are subject matter experts who provide relevant data, analysis, and critical insights. They offer valuable input, especially when their expertise is crucial to the decision's quality and success. And remember, these individuals, their buy-in is crucial. Next, we have the consultants. Consultants are individuals or small teams who collaborate closely with the informants. They gather relevant facts, data, and analysis, and seek input so that they can discuss challenges, opportunities, and all available options. Consultants then work together to develop a proposed or recommended solution to the decision maker. The decision maker That role belongs to the individual who holds the ultimate responsibility and accountability for the final decision. The decision maker possesses the authority to allocate resources, drive action within the organization, resolve issues, and then bring the decision to a conclusion. Importantly, this role isn't confined to top leadership. As I said earlier, it can be held by individuals across various levels depending on the project's content. Lastly, we have the vetoers. Our vetoers are key stakeholders who must be comfortable with the final decision before it proceeds. Typically, this includes a high-ranking executive or high-ranking executives of business units or those who have operations that will be significantly impacted. The power to veto is used sparingly as a last resort. If a vetoer exercises their authority, it initiates a discussion with consultants to develop a modified proposal with an alternative course of action. If this process becomes protracted or it reaches an impasse, the decision is then elevated to the decision maker for resolution. And one last time, it's essential to remember that who occupies each role will vary depending on the specific decision being made. And there may be times when team members take on multiple roles. And there you have it, the collaborative method the fifth and final approach to team decision-making. It may seem a bit more intricate than the previous four, but trust me, it's worth every bit of effort. In a world where time is precious and complex decisions are all around us, the collaborative method shines as a practical and effective way to harness the collective wisdom of your team. All right, I've taken you on a journey through these five distinct approaches, each with its own advantages and ideal use cases. This key is knowing when to use each one to ensure effective and efficient decision-making within your team. From the swift efficiency of sole authority to the balanced discussions of the consult method, the democratic flair of majority rule and the gold standard of consensus We've covered them all, but the collaborative method offers something unique. It brings together the strengths of the previous four, ensuring that key players have their say, increasing buy-in and protecting against impasses. And it results in high quality decisions made in a timely manner, a recipe that is most certainly important for success in today's fast-paced world. So as you navigate the complex landscape of leadership and teamwork. 
Remember that your decision-making toolkit is now enriched with these valuable insights. And with the right approach in your arsenal, you'll be better equipped to lead your team to smarter, more effective decisions. And don't forget to set you and your team up for success. Make it a habit to clarify at the outset how team decisions will be made. In doing so, you'll avoid a lot of unnecessary confusion and frustration. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Help Me Think. If you found this episode valuable, remember to download the free quick reference guide at starlawest.com forward slash podcast to help you apply these concepts to your own team's decision-making processes. Now I have to ask, do you have some burning questions or maybe some super cool ideas for future episodes? If so, I'm all ears. Just head on over to starlawest.com forward slash podcast and drop your thoughts in the comment section. And while you're hanging out on my website, don't forget to sign up for your no-cost online account. By doing so, you'll be the first to know about all the incredible free resources, upcoming events, online courses, and new products I'm cooking up just for you. I want to give a big shout out to our fantastic title sponsor, Business Furniture and Company. They make this podcast possible, and I'm super grateful for their support. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Starla West, and I'm here to empower you with the knowledge and strategies you need to thrive in today's dynamic and complex environment. Until next time, keep thinking, keep learning, and keep leading.